Morning, 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 church. Firstly, I was just want to thank God for keeping us safe, for keeping keeping me safe from these crisis moments from last year of this corona thing, satanist. Yes. Up until now, we are still alive. Amen. Thank you, God. I just want to share just a, a verse with the church just to revive us. I, do, I, do, I don't say that you are not revived, but coming together on Sunday, we need to be re, to revive, revive each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor used to talk about the firstborn. Generally, firstborn, it's uh, somebody who's going to inherit from, from the parents what they is left, what the house, the things, whatever. But nowadays, if you can't be a firstborn, but if you are not performing well to your parents, I'm talking general now, not by the way. <laughs> if you are not performing well to your parents, they can change it on, on the wheel. That you are not supposed to take all those things because you are not performing well. So, firstborn to this now, mm. we have to stick on the weight so that we inherit whatever when we died. Uh, I want to just read uh, the first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, yes, verse 56 to, until the end. The sting of death is a sin, and the power of the sin is, is in the law. But thanks to the God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In Zulu, they say, Let's stick to the word of God. You know the word of God changes the images. It changes the attitude. It changes everything. It gives you an, a, 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 another person. If you stick to the word, I know, I'm not saying that if you are not seeing yourself, you are not changing, which means that you don't stick to the word of God. I'm just speaking the truth, that the word of God, it changes everything. Amen. So let's stick to the word of God. Yes, yes that was just the message for me. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Now what shall I say to all that? My uh, preaching words have been used. You, you ready to go, Cynthia? All right. Young people, bless you, Cynthia. <clears throat> well, greetings, church. 
I know the greeting went the other way, but God bless you. Thank you for your attendance. And uh, I just want to continue from uh, last week. Last week was about uh, pursuing. It was about not allowing yourself to be disturbed, not allowing yourself to be hijacked. And I, in uh, looking at all those things, I realized that, that uh, being hijacked spiritually, I don't know about in the natural. It takes a willingness on our part to be hijacked spiritually. When we allow ourselves to be offended, because remember, offenses are received. Isn't it you've heard? Take offense. You take it. Hello, babes. <laughs> and so, offense is what we need to watch out for. Make sure the Bible is clear. Uh, was it Paul or was it Jesus? Who said, do not go and sleep on your anger or wrath. Because when you sleep, your mind runs over the events of the day. You stew on it. And it will become real the longer you work it out. But the day you begin to sober up, the damage is already done. You have already moved on from there and you are now in a different environment. And unfortunately, you're not moving up the ladder towards God you are moving towards self. And I realize that there are many people who carry gifts, even in this house. But because they got carried away with the glory of God that surrounds them, They felt that they were wasting their time and so they moved. Not understanding that first you had to stay at the foot of a grace carrier. Because if you didn't see that in this house, you shouldn't be here. But if you do see anointing over the head of that church that you are in, you will stay. We made an example. Joshua stayed. Moses made a whole lot of mistakes. God would want to kill him when he didn't uh, circumcise his son. And uh, it had to take his father-in-law to say, fix up certain things. So he was never a perfect man. But Joshua stayed. 
Did you hear Joshua saying anything else during Moses' time? Not a word. He stayed. Elisha stayed. He recognized something in Moses. Elijah, sorry, and I'm mixing them up now. But for me, the trendsetter to this father-son relationship. Even Jesus demonstrated it when he came into Jerusalem. He sent people ahead. He said, you will go to a city. These are the signposts that you will see. You will find a donkey with its fold tied to a pole. Bring that to me. Demonstrating the father-son relationship. That out of it, a family will always be built. We see it clearly, clearly, clearly in Naomi and Ruth. We see her coming back from Moab. We see her coming back into Jerusalem. She was not a person that had no stature. When she came back, the town celebrated. They were so pleased to see her. And yet she will vehemently discourage them. She said to them, please don't call me Naomi anymore. I went here full and I came back empty. And therefore bitterness has come in into my life. I'm now Mara. Was Ruth deterred by that? She stayed. Something she saw. Obviously, she didn't stay because there was any law that tied her to Naomi. But it is what she saw. And I was looking at uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 41. Jesus casting out demons. What the priest couldn't see, the demons saw. The religious folks were saying, we need to find a way of killing this man. He's coming to take our job. This is how we ran the city. And now this Jesus is uh, talking things about uh, destroying the temple and rebuilding it in three days. He's talking crazy. He's saying to our woman, you no longer have to go to the temple to pray. You can pray to the God who wants you to worship in, in spirit and in truth. This is not how we did it. That's what a woman said. Our fathers told us we have as a mountain that we need to go and worship in. <clears throat> uh, 
So there are things that the Bible is wanting to unveil to us. You know, um, I've been dwelling in the book of uh, Ruth this whole week. And I think it was around Wednesday, but I didn't get a full sentence. But one, the part of the sentence that I got was, you don't know what you have opened yourself to. By coming into the subject of family building, like uh, it was, uh, there is a greater blessing that is coming. Because, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I just felt many times over, as I think I did say to you sometime uh, a couple of weeks ago, a month back maybe, where I was ready to say, church, stand up and receive the Holy Spirit. And remember, I said, the Lord showed me my own cupboards, that the structure was still broken, that I couldn't put a trimming on top. The finishing work, I had to fix the structure first. And one of those structures, uh, uh, Randolph opened my eyes to this when he spoke about the value of dry bones, but about the bones. When the bones came together first, bone to bone, remember, it was bone to bone. It wasn't Fricky's bone and Jabulo's bone. It was bone to bone. They matched. Sinew to sinew. It was only when the structure was fully put together that God breathed upon. Can you see this? There are things that we still need to fix. Let us not run to go and shanda rabasiye. Even though it is correct, it is the, what it is. And some of you are, are able to pray in the spirit, but you have stopped praying in the spirit. You need a noise around you first before you can break out in the spirit. I do understand, Paul said, it is good that all of you prophesy, at least all of you speak in tongues. And I personally speak more tongues than you do. But I would rather that you prophesy. Because when you prophesy, if uh, an unbeliever comes in in your midst and all of you are speaking in tongues, how is he going to be edified? He said, I know when you speak in tongues, you're edifying yourself. But when you're in an environment of family, in case there be one that is unlearned, how is he going to learn? Do not put speaking in tongues at the back burner and say, well, if I speak in tongues, who is going to interpret? You need to build yourself first because it might just be you that God wants you to interpret. It might just be you. And you, oh, I'm not, uh, they have never called me to the front and so I'm not important in this church. You have made yourself important. We haven't seen you because you just sat there and you just made yourself of no reputation whatsoever. Time you put the gift of God on display. It is not yours to keep. It is yours to put on display. Because somebody's life is dependent on you. Your testimony builds somebody else. 
I'm glad there's a few of us today because I can speak without thinking, oh, what if I offend that one day? No, you won't get offended with me. I think some of you have learned to trust me. I must assume that. I must believe that. You know what? The Lord said to me at last, not this past week, the week before, be content to preach my word. I'm no more looking who's going to clap uh, hands. It's good to encourage. And there's another thing the Lord said to me. How many of you, don't lift your hands. Don't show me your hands. How many of you have family altars? You pray together. If you have a good family altar, then your relationship between you and your wife and your children has got to be so tight. Especially to your wife, to your husband. You can't get up from your family altar and then you speak like Jezebel. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot trample on your spouse. Your family altar or your interaction with God must show first to your spouse how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband is a reflection of Christ in you. Is he there or is it the devil that is in there? You can say all the right words but the day you open your mouth to your spouse tells a whole lot of stories about you. You can't even joke about this. I am not playing games. Not playing games. The Lord said, Henry, put the structure in the house. Then I can release my anointing over the house. I know the destiny of this house is far greater than I can even articulate. It's not in my domain to know what God is going to do tomorrow. All I have been told is be obedient to my word. And I'll do the rest. I can't force God. I can't run around here like a lunatic and lay hands on you and say, receive, receive, receive. God hasn't ordained me for that. I was looking at one of the songs. Our God is awesome. And I thought, man, if I was a preacher, man, I will take, just put those words quickly. I could, I could see a, a, a visionary, how he will be running there. Our God is awesome. Come on, put that thing on. He can move mountains. And I will tell you of the story, how he took me from here and he put me there. He moved all the things that were troubling me. He keeps me even when I'm in the valley, down in the dumps. He keeps me awake and he hides me from the rain. I have no problem whatever the situation might be. Oh my God is awesome. Even in all the troubles, I see his awesomeness. I am not deterred 
Listen to what. <laughs> no, no, that, that's for the preacher, man. <laughs> Jesus did not live according to prevailing circumstances. He did not pray because the devil was at his door. He prayed to the Father, show me your ways, Lord. Let me do your will. Not uh, the devil is, please protect me. No, no, no. He wasn't worried about the devil. That was the least of his worries. His worries was, how can I please you, Father God? Because when I please you, all things work perfectly well. There were men who were born with destiny. Genesis 38. You can just note it and go and read it. Talks about the sons of Judah. Sons of Judah, one married Tamar. And he was naughty. And so God killed him. Because of the tradition, because of the tradition, which we see in the book of Ruth, the next of kin must now take that wife. It wasn't because he needed to have so many women. It was that there would be no orphans in the house. The family. Every woman needed to be covered. And so the next clown that takes her, he said, mm, mm, mm. if I place a seed in this woman, she's going to produce a son. But the reality is, the Redeemer was one who redeemed a widow. If that woman he took produced children. They were not his. They were the man that she married first. They were not his. And so, of course, he didn't give her a seed. He wasted his seed. And then because of that, God killed him too. And then there was a young boy. And David began, or Judah began to worry. Every son of mine that marries this woman, she dies, they die. <laughs> he said, no, 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 I can't give her my child. He said, okay, daughter-in-law, go to your house. Just stay there. When Shayla grows up, I'll give him to you. But he had no intention. Of course, she knew, okay, the son has grown up now. How? Father-in-law is not bringing the youngster. It means then the legacy that God ordained is not going to take place. Watch this. It's very important for you to see this. So I say Old Testament is very critical to our growing. 
And of course, Tamar hears that, oh, Judah is going to shear sheep on that side. You know, she played the harlot, and he went into her, and uh, but she was wise. This girl was wise. He said, she said, what are you going to give me? I think her eyelashes were all painted. Was she dressing uh, with those dresses where half your body is showing? No, no, no. It says she was covered. <laughs> she was all covered, so her sausage lips were not even visible. But uh, there was a way, I suppose, they dressed uh, that she knew that uh, this was easy pickings. She said, what are you going to give me? He said, I'll give you a kid, meaning I'll give you a little sheep. He said, but you don't have it here. So as a token of your sincerity, I'm going to take a signet ring from you. I'm going to take a bracelet, and I'm going to take your staff. Now, all those things, when you study them, carry huge importance, carry power, carry... Signet was used for you to seal a thing. You sealed it, the king's uh, seal was the king's seal. Nobody broke it. The staff spoke of his rulership. I don't know, a bracelet maybe spoke about his identity, I'm not sure. Not sure about the bracelet. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, he a luck, and so he gives her. He goes away, and then he gets back home, and then he sends his workers, take the lamb to this guy here, or the kid, and they come back, hey, there's nobody there. We asked the people around, there's a harlot that parks here, they said, no, there's never been such a thing here. We don't have such nonsense in our town. Sorry, mate. They go back, they tell him, ah, he's okay. A rich man doesn't worry about those things, most probably had more. And eight months later, word comes to Judah, yay, Tamar is with child. She has played the harlot. He says, what? Bring her here to me. She needs to be stoned. But nobody said, liar, liar, to him. They bring it, bring her. And she says, well, please go and give Judah these things here. Whoever these things belong to, is a father. So, okay, let's move from that story. You can look at it for yourself. Ah, the reality of the story we find again, Matthew chapter 1. We find also in Ruth chapter 4. Lineage, purpose, locked in in this. 
when you, you look at the, 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 the lineage, of course, Tamar, out of that, produced two sons. The first one came out, Zarah. And they tied a scarlet rope around him. And somehow he pulled back and Perez came out. Perez means, how did you break the law? How did you usurp? You were supposed to be second, now you jumped to the front. But the reality is how you broke the contract, how you broke the law. Speaking about, of course, Judah breaking the contract that he had with Tamar. But God is wise to preserve that which he had spoken because out of Perez, okay, let's go there. Um, Ruth 4 verse 18, it says, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezroth, and Hezron began Ram, and Ram began Aminadab. Aminadab began Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon. And Salmon, of course, begat Boaz. Boaz, who became, who was a kinsman of Naomi. But there's a, a, a no, I'm not going to say a play on words, but there's just some things I want us to teach our tongues, teach our minds how to see things in the spirit. In Ruth chapter 4, I don't know, man. You know, you just need to go and read the whole book of Ruth. It's only four chapters, really short, short, uh, little uh, uh, chapters. But it speaks volume. For me, it's speaking volume. It speaks about, as I say, the relationship between uh, Naomi and Ruth. And even though Naomi was bitter she was still able to guide her daughter-in-law. She said, you need to stay close to Boaz. Just go and mix with the maidens that work for him. And then there came a time when it was harvest time. They say, winnowing. Winnowing, I'm not too clear. I know there's a winnowing fork. Having grown on a farm, I know that uh, when it was a harvest, after harvest, you, you, uh, we would uh, uh, shell, there was no machines that time, we would shell mealies from the corp, and then when it's dried up, there's a bit of wind, we would scoop it up like that, so that the chaff could be blown away. Was it that time of the season that we're busy with? It was wheat, it was barley. And the book of Ruth became, you know, there's just so much to speak about in the book of Ruth. It is a book that was read every year during harvest, Pentecost. It was read because it dealt with the harvest. And, uh, but there's more to that. There's more to that. But there is the cleaving, there is the believing, there is this deep faith that we need to learn how to follow, 
how to learn how to discern and not allow ourselves to be sidetracked, to be distracted, because the reality is the word of God lies in the one that God has raised up for that season. Not to say there are no others, but it is whom you have become akin to. And so my time is nearly done, so I need to jump to chapter 4. And uh, as I say, train ourselves. Um, There's... uh, there was uh, two men that had the responsibility of redeeming the, the property of uh, Ahimelech. What was his name? There's a Bimelech, there's a... Oh, come on, you guys, you guys you don't even help me. God. God is king. Elimelech. He had family that was close, which shows us um, what uh, Judah was nearly aborted by not giving his youngest son to Tamar. But God through his grace, his mercy, not a, a wanting, because God had said, from David's seed, the rulership will remain in that house. And uh, Judah was in that lineage, and God needed to keep that lineage going so that David uh, uh, could come, from whom then Jesus would uh, finally come. This, all, everything lines up. If you remember, Boaz married uh, who? Hey, Boaz married who? Before Ruth? Anyway, let's go. We'll come to the Skebengas later. Uh, and so there was, uh, uh, when there came a time to, to, uh, to redeem Elimelech's uh, estate, there was one that was before Boaz. And he needed to redeem. So Boaz goes to the gate after he has spoken to uh, Ruth and uh, she made herself she served with distinctions and he realized that, that he had to do right for Naomi's sake. That he needed to buy back her property. Because they had a system there that uh, if Eddie sold his house, after so many years he could come and buy back his house. But only when you were poor, you gave your property away, you know. But uh, the system worked that you had to give it back if the person that sold it wanted it. If not, well, it remained in the family to whom it had been sold. And so, obviously, uh, Limelech had sold everything and went to Moab, and then coming back, uh, Ruth still had an obligation to redeem if she wanted it, but uh, obviously there was more to it. it is... So there was a kinsman that needed to buy it. 
And so Boaz goes to the gate to where the seat of authority is. He said to the men, men, I have been given an opportunity to buy Naomi's property, but before I do that, there is the, the one that is before me that needs to make right. And now for you to do that, to, if you sign up to that agreement, you have to take your shoe off and give it to, I don't know, to the seat of parliament, or you have to give, I don't know who they gave it to, but you have to take your shoe off. And so, brother, he takes the shoe off and he says, okay, I agree to buy. And Boaz says, but for you to buy, you have to marry Ruth as well. And he said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Why? Because he said, if I buy her property, marry Ruth, then it means my children are not going to occupy the seat of authority. Because Naomi had a position. And so now my children will have to serve under, no, I'm keeping mine natural. Regardless of what the Spirit says, I will keep my pride. And so Boaz says, well, if you're not doing that, then I am going to take over. I am going to raise a seed. Was it Marlon? To Marlon. Not Julian, it was Marlon. The son of Elimelech. I am going to do this so that she can get her property back. It was about helping somebody else. It, was, it had nothing to do for Boaz, nothing for Boaz to benefit from. It was not going to make him any bigger. And any, obviously, he was a rich man. He had properties and you know, he had people working for him. Obviously, he was rich. But he reached out to help somebody else to bring them into their rightful position. And restoring that allowed the genealogy to the coming of Jesus to remain intact. It is important to understand that the Bible goes from Genesis to Revelation. There is no break, there is no, well, that was, it doesn't matter the years. But when it comes to the plans and purposes of God, there is a lineage that we, all of us, brought in through the coming of Abraham, the blessings of Abraham, God says, through you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so with God, there is no breakage. There's no South African and... Uh, there's no people going to gate ministries and going to Baptist church and going uh, elsewhere. It is about his kingdom. Are we kingdom-minded or we are we church-minded? Because if I am my church-minded, I can see the person next door suffering. Well, they don't come to my church. Let them deal with it themselves. I had an occasion on uh, yesterday morning. Because we, we went to Freyad yesterday. What a boring town. Oh, man, town is busy, but it's so boring. So boring. 
And so I had forgotten to take my samples, you know, in a, and I said to Mariette, I think it was six o'clock, hey, let me take a walk to the workshop. What, how liberating it was. And as we, as I come out of my house, up the road, and on the pole there hangs the IFP poster. Polani Lengetwa or something. And I'm thinking, I don't know you. Never seen you in this town. Never heard anything that you have done for the community. But you're coming to serve the community. But I don't know you. And I'm thinking, Henry, maybe you need to go back to politics again. And I'm thinking, hi, now you're going to run around and tell people lies and say, believe in me, I'm going to bring service. I thought, you need to learn to do the fundamental things, the little things first. And as I woke up, intersection of Douglas Street, and I'm seeing from there, and I'm seeing, I wonder who left a cardboard in the middle of the road. And as I get closer, I see there's red shoes. Oh my goodness, it looks like somebody. But then I see there's a car that drives on the grass and they carry on. And as I walk up there, I see a person is lying like that. And uh, people, uh, by the, there's a tuck shop in the corner. And he's standing like this here. And so, okay, you're supposed to do the little things. And so I go there, and I'm watching this man. I want to see his eyes. Is he dead? Okay, the eyes are closed. But I can see he's not dead. I'm looking, is he breathing? He's not breathing. I want to do this, but I'm thinking, no. But he's not dead. I tap him. Hey, Vugandot. Luto. Like a stretched out. It's not too cold, so it's okay. It's not going to freeze. Hey, you didn't bring your phone. Hey, now to run home again. Oh, man. Now, there's a youngster, he's got his phone and it's blurring away. I said, hey, bro, just phone the cops. Let him come and help this guy. He says, no, I don't have a phone. It's making a noise in your pocket. But anyway, he just walks on. I say to the tuck shop guy, I say, please, man, just phone the cops. I don't know their number. Okay. There's another young lady coming from that side. I said, you know, just saw her coming out of the house. Run home and phone. We don't have a phone. Now it's thinking, Henry, just walk away. And I am no man, can't leave this yet. And fortunately, there's a youngster. He drives up, and I go to him. I said, hey, please, man, just phone for the cops. He says, okay, I'll phone mom and let him phone. So we phoned her. I heard him speaking to her, and then I left. Walked down to the workshop, walked back again, and he was gone. Did he revive after that? Was there anything wrong? But I could see 
he was breathing, but very, very shallow. He was just about, just about. And I'm thinking, oh, because I, uh, there's another lady that came. She says, ah, oh, shame, man. I said, uh, please just go to the, she says, no, 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 you come with me. So I said, hey, no, I don't have a mask. She says, oh, okay. <laughs> so I had an episode and I realized that helping becomes important. You can't talk about these things and when the issues arise, you run away. You have to stay. I was prepared to run home again to go and get my phone and phone the police. But it didn't look bad. It wasn't hurt or anything. Was it drugged up? I don't know. It didn't look like. You know, you can see a drugged up person. What happened? I got no idea. But anyway, um, what I want to leave with you is our thought and our attitude and the things that we need to do. Um, I know I'm jumping, but uh, uh, the men, when Boaz said, I am going to redeem, I am going to redeem this family because they are destitute otherwise. The mother has given up, but her giving up was dependent on what others will do for her. Because when Boaz went in into Ruth, it says she received seed. The word was spoken, or whatever seed she received, she received seed. And when the fruit of the seed came, Naomi put the child on her breast. So invigorated that she was, the word says she became a nurse to the boy. It is important for us to learn how to build those that seem to be lagging behind. Don't leave them there and say it creates an opportunity for you to climb. Because in God's eyes, when we live to the less fortunate, God will build us up also. They might rise up in pride and throw us one side. That should not be your concern because you are not living in reaction to what the devil is doing. You are living in accordance with what God has said. If God dare place his Holy Spirit inside of you, you have as equal a chance as those that were born all wealthy, all everything taken care of, those that were born in the church, that knew the ABCs of the church, I tell you, if you are born in a struggle, you are a prime candidate for God to raise you up. It is up to you how you see. Are you going to live in reaction to your circumstances or are you going to live in accordance with what God has said about you? Has God said you are the apple of his eye? Or you think it's only your pastor that is... What absolute... Who said it? Who said that? God said, do not touch my anointed. You call yourself unanointed? So then why you think it's only pastors that uh, God's uh, uh, the, uh, the apple of his eye? If you are anointed, you are God's, uh, uh, the apple of his eye. You are the center of everything that God sees. 
Why? Because you carry the DNA of God inside of you. He has placed his Holy Spirit inside of you. He doesn't see you any longer. He sees his spirit inside of you. Or he sees the blood over you. And this is what the children of God, this is how they speak. And then, verse 10, uh, 4 uh, verse 10, it says, Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Marlon, have I purchased to be my wife, Boaz is saying, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. You are witnesses this day, and this is what they say to him. And all the people that were at the gate, the elders said, we are witnesses to this. The Lord make the woman that is come into your house to be like Rachel and Leah, which, two to, which the two built the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephraim and be famous in, Beth in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, uh, we know it because of this lineage that was uh, preserved. It was kept intact simply because somebody decided to obey and help somebody else. Please don't think carnally. Think, see these things in the spirit. And it says, and let the house be the, like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bear out of Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman, the woman now, comes in. See, the men first complimented Boaz. And now the women are coming in now. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which has not left you this day without a Redeemer, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be to you a restorer of your life. Isn't Jesus the restorer of our lives? Of course he is. And a nourisher, even in your old age, for your daughter-in-law, which loves you, which is better to you than seven sons that you bear. And Naomi took the child and laid it upon her bosom and became a nurse to it. She became a nourisher. I don't know why they call people that take care of people in church, in uh, hospitals, that is nurses. And the woman, her neighbors, gave the child a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed, who became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. And then 18, then to 20, we are given the genealogy from both sides, of uh, the mother's side 
and the side of the Father. Um, I just want to check. No, I, I think that will be in uh, Matthew chapter 1. Um, yeah, I think maybe let me stop there. But you can peruse it and see the was it Boaz that married the harlot of uh, the one that tied a scarlet uh, Jericho man yeah it all ties in guys all these things here come together what God has ordained for your life doesn't matter the circumstances that you will come against. Stay focused. Stay focused. Believe that your house is not going to disappear. Believe that your house will stand and become famous in your family. Your lineage. I'm not, I'm not seeing myself producing as tutors. Mm-mm. No. My children can get naughty. They can uh, uh, act like uh, they own themselves. I know that God has a hand on Cade. Sometimes he acts like, you know, he's all sorted. But I know my father is able to sort all things according to purpose. Cade can forget and discard his inheritance his heritage. But I got grandsons. Thank God he gave me two. So, I will see my name rising up out of those guys. I have no fear. I know that God has a hand on all of you in this house. I can see it. I can see the glory of the Lord in you. But some of you are so unbelieving of your worth that you are forsaking the spirit and running to create in the flesh what God has placed in the spirit. The first redeemer of, Na of Naomi's estate, he felt his children, the natural children, were more important than his spiritual children. Because for me, that speaks about Boaz, he saw in the spirit, and he said, Marlon needs to have a place in history. And if I become a part of that, God will take care of mine. If I take care of others, God will take care of me. And so he took care of Marlon's estate, and God took care of him. He also is in history. And so the history books are waiting to be written with your name in it. Begin to act in your lot and God will bring you to your destiny. Amen.